Hey everyone, I'm Brian Conley of Hunters HD Gold, and you're listening to Season 2 of Hunters HD Gold Behind the Lens. This podcast takes a deep dive into what it takes to be a match director, manufacturer, sponsored shooter, or just an everyday shooter trying to win his or her first major. So sit back and enjoy this episode of Hunters HD Gold Behind the Lens. Welcome back to another episode of Hunter's HD Go Behind the Lens. Today, I'm sitting down with a friend who got me started um, telling me where to go and how to do this process that I'm doing right now. We'll get into more on that in a little bit, but Brian Hacker with Tandem Cross. How you doing, brother? Uh, doing good. Really good, Brian. How are you doing? Man, I'm having a blast. I'm at Metal Madness this weekend. Your, your team was here last year as well. Your whole family is here. You're shooting this weekend. You're shooting with your family for the first time. How does that feel? No, it feels really good. You know, I've been to amazing amount of matches over the course of the years and i always see families coming and shooting together and i'm always like man i'd love to bring my family uh, i always feel a sense of duty like when i come here i've got to uh, make sure i meet people make sure i i work the booth and um, i don't really shoot and this year um you know we've grown our team considerably we we're able to bring enough people down that i'm like you know what? i'm gonna bring my boys i'm gonna bring my wife and we're going to practice what we preach about bringing your families to the shoot and uh, we brought Luke down, Luke Diamond. I don't know if you had a chance to meet him yet. Right, right, right. Uh, he's our YouTube uh, video guy. And we're going to tell a story about uh, my kids, their first match, about kids going to the first time, a competition like this, mm-hmm. the anxiety they feel, um, the excitement that they feel uh, for beginning to end. And we're capturing all the other kids here. So we're going to weave a nice story. Metal Madness is doing a great job of um, inviting kids and youth and families is a good league for that. Yes. Um, so I think it's going to go great. Well, cool. So you live in New Hampshire. Were you born in New Hampshire? No, I was actually born in Cape Cod. And um, when I was younger, my parents got a divorce. It wasn't great. Okay. And uh, my mom was from New Hampshire. So How old were you? Moved back. It was about seven. About seven. Okay. Yeah. I can relate with that because I thought some I got divorced from my ex-wife was, was Zach. So I can actually relate with that. So um, when did you first get into guns? Was that something through your mom or through your, you know, your dad? Or what that look like? Yeah, that's a good question. My my dad always had guns around. Like he had them in gun cases. Right. And I remember seeing them and unzipping them. But we never, as a kid, really shot together. Uh, this wasn't time. You know, right. my parents were separated, moved to New Hampshire. Um, but living in New Hampshire... Uh, one of the things they do really well there is they teach you about the meaning of your Second Amendment rights. What do you mean by that? Uh, you know, our state motto is live free or die. Okay. Right? Okay. So they understand uh, in that state that your Second Amendment rights are the great balancer between people and government. When did that mean something to you, though? Because, I mean, what age was that? Was that something in high school? You know, through, what, what did that look like? Uh, probably middle school. We had Okay. A, we had a history teacher named Mr. Manley. Oh, cool. And uh, yeah, he was very adamant about going through why, in American history, why we had that a second, second Amendment right and mm-hmm. um, what the colonists had to go through to uh, push the British out right. and why we could never give up that right ever again. So middle school, you're talking about the Second Amendment, everything else. Do you remember having to go home and talk to your parents or anything about what you talked about at school today when, it, when that came up? No, no. I'm just, I'm just curious because yeah. that's one of those things, you know, so many kids now get educated different ways and they go home and tell their parents about it. It's like, what did y'all talk about? <laughs> so, <laughs> so I didn't know if that was anything back from middle school. Did you do any kind of comp- competitions in high school or anything like that with sports? What was that like for you? No, that's a good question. You know, I, when I was 
a younger kid, I got talked into a baseball team and okay. that, that was good. But as I got older, I didn't really participate in high school sports. I just, I kind of always made my own sports. We, um, these, we'd make these foam swords mm-hmm. and um, we'd go and get like 20 or 30 people. I'd round them up and we'd go to my backyard in Apple Orchard and we'd go eliminate each other with them. So we'd form teams. Right. And there were rules to it. If you hit your arm, couldn't use your arm. Mm-hmm. And we would, then we'd split up and go hunt each other down with them. And we did all kinds of sword fighting with that. Some people do like the role playing aspect, but I like the competition aspect right. of that. And so. We played that for ages, and then laser tag. We played laser tag in my backyard forever okay. at night with the like the old school laser yes, tag gear. Yes, around, yes, like, yes. The big, bu- they're so accurate. <laughs> wow! So, did you ever do anything with paintball as well when it got bigger, or is it all laser tag? Yeah, all laser tag and all buffer right. swords together. Right. Yeah, we it started off as like a little club. There were like five of us, and right. then it kind of got word around school, and next thing you know, everybody was showing up. At my <laughs> so this house. was all, all in middle school still. Middle school and high school. Okay, so yeah. even high school as well. Yeah. Wow. So when you got out of high school, you know, did you ever, you know, shoot a gun when you was in high school? Did you ever go hunting or anything up there? What'd that look like? No, no. Um, I didn't really shoot a gun until roughly right around where we started this company. Really? Yeah. So that's weird because you <laughs> you, you started a company that was making accessories for guns. Yeah. Is that how the company started? It started off making well, our first our first product was a, a poster, a shooting poster. A shooting poster. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, we made, so we, when we went to the range, uh, we went to indoor ranges, right? Okay. So it was costly because you pay by the hour. Okay. And you're zipping the target back and forth. Right. And I get the, my Jake, who was my boss at the time. Right. I'm like, you know, this is, this is crazy. We're wasting a lot of money. What if we designed a target that was large and you can keep it down range, had lots of interesting, you know, things to shoot at down there. And um, you didn't have to zip it back and forth and change it out. And you don't have to buy a lot of them. And um, turns out nobody wanted a zombie shooting target. We didn't really sell very many of them. Yeah, but still, the, you kept the shooting target, like an actual paper shooting target mm-hmm. that would not fold around and stuff. Or yeah. was, what, was the, what was the principles that made it so much better than others? Uh, we, we commissioned an artist. To It was huge. First of okay. all, it's like that guy. Where you, see, you see him. He's behind the girl that... Yeah. that that common um, shooting target. It was about that size, right. but we purposely commissioned the artist to put lots of interesting things to shoot at. So he's got two eyeglasses and a lapel and his hands up with all his fingernails. So you'd be like, all right, I'm going to shoot all the fingernails out right. this time or flies buzzing around his head. That was know. the name of this company back then. Did you work for it? Was Tandem it Cross. was Tandem Cross oh, back then. Oh, um, you mean who we were working for while we designed the target? Yes. Yeah. 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 We were um, enterprise software salespeople. So okay. we worked for open text. Okay. Um, and we were, uh, we were working on a product that was very popular in Europe. Okay. Not so much in the U S but we were the resident experts and that kind of environment. If they tell you, you need to go somewhere, you go, it doesn't matter if it's your birthday or Christmas or whatever, right. you go for as long as they want you to go. Um, but sometimes it was really slow. So Jake came to the office, your virtual employees office was my house. He was my boss and he showed up with a gun one day. He's like, Hey, we're going shooting. I'm like, well, we can't do that. We got to work. He's like, this is a team exercise. Oh, wow. Yeah. So Jake came to you with a, a firearm, 22? Yeah. yeah, 22. So came to you with a 22 firearm, ammo, and said, we're going to shoot as a team exercise. Yeah. So not really knowing you're going to do parts for it, but just going to shoot like a team builder. Yeah. Yeah. Tell me more. Yeah. No, it was, it was interesting. Uh, so we went and the gun didn't function all that well. Um, 
and you know, the magazines didn't drop free, and I had some challenges with it. Okay. And I remember thinking to myself, you know, this is my first time shooting a gun, and I'm like, how can anybody have fun with this? Were you married at the time? Defend their life. Oh yeah, I was married to the Jen. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, she's Canadian. So that's a whole other story. The right. first time I brought a gun home. Right. I'll tell you that one. Well, we'll get that in a second. But continue yeah. on your on your team building experience. Yeah. So um, we came home and, um, you know, Jake and I got to talking. We've always been industrious. We had a, a previous business together, okay. uh, maybe about five or eight years before that. And um, we found a guy in Canada that made this part. He claims to fix it. It was actually a side effect of adding a magazine release to this gun mm -hmm. to comply with Massachusetts and California to sell new handguns in there. So this part that this guy made in Canada, it um, claimed to fix everything, but you had to send like $20 cash and it had to go over country lines and he didn't have a website, right? So you had to contact him through email. And so we sent it <laughs> one week, two weeks, three weeks went by and uh, yeah, he, um, it, it didn't come. So next thing you know, out of nowhere, showed up in the mail. It was like hanging out of the envelope, and Jake chucked it up on his, or we tried to put in the gun. It didn't fit. Right. Jake chucked it up on his Dremel and sanded it down and solved a lot of problems. So we wrote really? the guy. Yeah, we wrote the guy, and we're like, hey, this is cool. Like, this could help a lot of owners of this particular firearm. Do you, you don't have a website. You're not on Amazon. You're not on eBay. We're industrious. Sell us a little bit. We don't want a big discount, but sell us a bunch of them, and we'll help you out. We'll put them on Amazon, eBay. And he's like, I've been doing this for years. There's no business in this. You want to make a bushing? Make a bushing. <laughs> so, so he gave you the rights to do it right there on the spot. <laughs> wow. So we we drew it up. Uh, Jake drew it up on a piece of graph paper. Mm -hmm. We listed it on Amazon, and within 20 minutes, we sold our first bushing. Within a week, what, we sold 20. What, what year was that? Uh, that was 2012. 2012. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and then at the end of the month, we were out of stock. Wow. And did you realize that was going to be like, hey, we're on to something here? You think it's just a fluke? What, what was that conversation like between you and Jake? Uh, it, there was a lot of excitement. The, f the first conversation we had about it after we, especially after that first week, was like, you know what? Software and guns are a lot alike. Okay. Tell me more what you mean by that. Well, you know, I always, we have a company culture at Tim Cross that we talk about how do you make money in this world? Mm -hmm. You solve problems, right? And guns, just like anything else, they comes together with their focus on a super set of problems they're trying to solve, but they leave a little bit left hanging, right? Right. And um, so software is the same way. It's focused, but it needs to be adapted. And maybe there's other use cases or other things that came to market with that need some adjusting to it. Okay. And so you take a look at where the strengths and weaknesses of each platform are. Right. And you solve them for the customer. Right. You listen to the customer. That's why we come to matches like Metal Madness, because people tell us all the time. They come up to the booth like... I don't like this about the gun or, hey, when I use it for this use case, it doesn't work. I'm like, yeah, we can solve that problem. Wow. So let's go back real quick. So you realize you're going to start making parts for guns. Yeah. And you bring a gun home. And you said your wife was from Canada. What'd that look like? Yeah. Well, we have, um, we have this term in tandem across that we call gun lust. Okay. So after you go shooting, you probably felt it too. Like, wow, this is really cool. I got to get a gun now. Right. And so, you know, I'm a little bit of a min-maxer. So I'm like, I'm going to get the perfect gun that it can shoot long range, short range, home defense, mm -hmm. survival. Right? Like what I thought was going to be that type of gun. I bought a Keltec PLR-16. Okay. It's an AR pistol. Yes, it is. Right? Very, very loud. Very loud. Very, a lot very of percussion. loud. Pistol. Yes. I did not know that. A lot of compression. Oh, wow. Yes. So I came home. And uh, I'm like, Jen, look what I got. And uh, she locked herself in her bedroom and cried 
wow. Yeah. So coming from Canada, was she one must have been scared, mm-hmm. but two, was she anti-gun or just didn't realize what that was like at the time? I don't think she was anti-gun. Um, she had to talk about it. If you, you know, I, you go home and all of a sudden your wife of how many years at this time? Oh boy. So, you I know, I remember, but we were married for a while, so at least ma- 10 years. Your wife of 10 years. And yeah. all of a sudden you bring something in excited. Yeah. She goes in and shuts the door and cries. <laughs> yeah. What's your Poor first, res- what's your first response to that? Um, like, honey, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, exactly. I mean, I mean, I mean, how do you rectify that? Cause you just, you know, that's a, you weren't expecting that res- response at all. I take it. No, I didn't. I didn't expect that. I mean, I didn't, I didn't really know what to expect yeah. to be honest, but not that. Right. Um, so, but you know, I, I'm a big believer that communication is good medicine for anybody, any relationship, right? You yes. talk about stuff. So I got her to unlock the door. I'm like, let's sit down and talk about this okay. and let's talk about why I got this and why it's going to be okay. Right. And it wasn't that she was necessarily scared about it. It made her, made her feel sad about, it looks like a, a scary gun, right? Like ARs, if you aren't in the gun culture mm-hmm. and you don't see these very often, you see them as weapons of war. You know, you see that pitch by liberal media all the time, right? And so it was scary to her. She's like, you, I think about all the kids in wars that get hurt. Do you, those do you blame the media for her being scared? I think it was a large part of it for sure. Okay. And I mean, even me to a certain degree before I got into the industry and I was pro Second Amendment, but... Um, you didn't really know what that meant though, did you? Because, you know, that's one of those things that you didn't really talk about over the dinner table before you went to go buy a gun. So you just took it like, it's just part of our rights. I didn't understand the subversion that was going on okay. to the gun culture okay. until you got into it. And that's a whole other story. We oh, can talk it's about a wonderful later. story because we, we fight it every day. Yeah. 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 In so many ways, I call it legislation via corporatism, mm-hmm. right? They, and they, they make corporate blockades to block you out. So I, the media is a huge part of that. Yes. Right. They are telling you a story um that simply is not true mm-hmm. all right um and I, I i often have to wonder why but wow. so uh, i think jen was the same way and you know now she's you know director of our sales department oh yeah she's, she's out here shooting she's but out shooting right how, how many weeks did it take she's, her to should be me well no she is today so far but yeah. today's not over with you we got another, <laughs> we got some more more shooting to do what how, how long did that process go from you sitting in the bedroom with her talking to her to where she actually wanted to put the gun in her hand what'd that look like uh, probably about a week. Okay. Yeah. We sat down and just talked about it. I'm like, look, it's, it's be- very important for people to hear it because other people may feel the same way. That's why I bring that up. I was just curious what that looked like, that process. It's so. it's the same as with like, um, you're in sales, right? right? Familiarity builds comfortability. Comfortability yeah. builds trust and trust builds relationships. So I got her familiar with it, showed her operated, made sure she knew. And, and I'm like, just, let's just try it. Right. Let's just go see what it's like. Let's go to the range and. Ugh. First time indoor range, yeah. Oh, <laughs> I, can, I can foreshadow and see there was where this is going. People, this is not going to end well. But continue because this gun is like major bomb going There's off. So much percussion. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I remember um, there are some young ladies next to us in there, and they were literally jumping and yelping when that gun was going off. There's so much percussion. But I got video of Jen. I still have it. I posted on Facebook. Right. Um, and she shot it like a champ. Right. And we also at the time we had a, a PMR 30. I think Jake had bought one. Somehow we had a PMR 30 in that session okay. too. And I was so proud of her because we did some training before she went there. Like, here's what you do. Where'd you find training at? Uh, just on YouTube, okay. watching videos. And Jake was very instructional too. He was comfortable nice. around fire. Now, is he a gun guy before? He wasn't either. Okay. No, I mean, he shot with his dad a lot as okay. a kid. So he yeah. had experience. But Jake is gifted with 
the ability to learn anything quickly. Right. Um, and he's a very good instructor. So the big bang didn't really scare her off. You don't have a lot of recoil, but it's a huge bang. No, huge she, got, she got right down on that gun and she was just hitting it. And I could see the smile growing. Oh, really? Growing, growing. And then uh, until we shot the PMR-30. So she shot that a couple times and then she got a hot shell. Oh, no. Right in her shirt. But mm-hmm. I was proud of her. She dropped the mag, cleared it. Put it down she and then danced cool. around. <laughs> she danced around after, but she, 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 we've seen so many videos online when people don't do that. They just yeah. react and have bad things happen. So she was calm enough to do that. That's so cool. Yeah, she did good. So after the first experience, you see the grin start to grow. And then you and Jake have talked to the point like, hey, we need to, you know, your slogan's making guns great, right? So, you know, before, way before, <laughs> way before all the other stuff making things great happened, y- y'all had that slogan a long time ago. So, when did the, you know, was that, that she, was she at a point where she said like, Hey, I want my own. Was it, when did that happen? Uh, that probably happened like two or three years into the business okay. after okay. we really started making a lot of Ruger parts. Right. And, um, there was this blue cobalt blue Mark three that came out mm-hmm. and we were making parts for it. And our customers were sending in pictures with it all upgraded. And her birthday was coming around. Like, what do you want for your birthday? She's mm-hmm. like a gun. <laughs> that's awesome. Oh, really? Which one? I'll get that's, you again. So cool. So cool. So you you you, feel, you realize you're going to start making parts, you and Jake. When did y'all realize we're going all in? This is what we're going to do. What did that conversation look like? Was there, you know, because you got, you find out you got to get FFL involved. There's a lot of other stuff you got to get involved. What did that look like, that conversation when you first said, let's make good guns run great? That's a good question. You know, when we started doing it, it was just a courtesy to the industry and an experiment in in doing business. And um, there was a point where we had the Bushing, the LCI, the Keen Wolf. Our compensator was really taking off. And um, I got laid off at OpenText, which was a complete surprise because I was killing it. Right, I had made friends with a lot of the major players. I had closed some big accounts and they were operating on a spreadsheet. Right. And for me, it was eye-opener. I'm like, these guys aren't really paying attention. And they're not looking out for me. And Jake was already pushing, like, maybe we should quit our jobs. And Such a big step. Yeah, it was. It's scary. And I was very, I've was i always been through and through a company man. Right. Now, after I got laid off, two weeks later, like, please come back. This is a mistake. Like, and I got the pick of my litter of what software to work on um, and sell. And that was was great. But that's when I woke up. I'm like, I got, Jake's right. We got to, I got to take care of me. And not open text. And the pay wow. was amazing. I mean, the pay in software is ridiculous. Right. Right. So I'm like, I'm probably not going to make my salary back, but I'll be more free and more in control. So uh, we made a plan. What did that conversation look like with your wife? Was she working somewhere else? What did that look like? Did yeah. you have a backup plan? She was, um, yeah, she was working as a director of a childcare center. Okay. Yeah. And um, yeah, just, took our side and think and i said jake and i made a plan you know he's going to go first mm-hmm. and uh we got to produce these many products they have to moderately sell at this rate mm-hmm. and within another six months things go well then i'll quit my job so when you started at the very beginning we're outsourcing on some things or you pretty much had the stuff you're making yeah you know, what that look like no you know one of the things that software was such a boot great boot camp for business because they talk you but they teach you about a lot of different aspects and one of them's core competency right our core competency was solving problems okay. recognizing problems and finding the solution so but machining that was not our core competency you know we knew what the solution looked like but you know material science and all those things that go into making parts wasn't for us so 
uh, we contract manufactured as much as possible. And it was hard work because nobody wants to make parts cheap. Right. So you got to buy a certain volume. You got to negotiate. Did I you mean, tell people there were parts for guns? Because that may turn off some people too. <laughs> uh, it did actually turn off really? some people, uh, mostly banks when we were trying to get loans and we're like, you know, we don't need debt. But um, most of the machine shops that we approached were excited about it. They were more just focused on like, well, how many are you going to buy? Um, and then we had to explain to them, like, we're small. We can't, you know, we're not going to order 50,000 of these things. But let's do a first run of like 500 of them. And, you know, so far, everything we have sold has increased and we'll keep our business with you. How many parts did you start off with when 10 across first started? Uh, you besides mean like the, our, besides, our first besides, run? Besides the first bushing, you know, how many parts did you say you're going to start off with? Oh, I mean, we just started with the bushing and we just started to roll it into new solutions. Wow. Yeah, we didn't we didn't have a, a set plan. I mean, when for quitting our jobs, I think we decided we had to have 10 products in one year. Okay. Yeah. Okay. In order to be reasonable well and still safe. Right. Because we got a, a wake-up call too. Like banks were not interested. They'd look at our numbers like, oh, this is great. Yeah, we'd love to give you a little. What do you do? Oh, we're in the farms industry. Oh, oh, sorry. Um, actually, things don't look so great and maybe we can't help you. Wow. Did you? So they shut it down immediately. Did you push back? At first, yeah, it made me angry. And, what, it, and it happened across the board, too. It wasn't just banks. It's, um, it's Amazon. It's eBay. It's mm-hmm. Facebook. PayPal. I mean, PayPal froze our PayPal account. We listed 1022 magazines on mm-hmm. our website. Right. We had like 20 grand in the PayPal account. They froze it, threatened to confiscate it, and told us on our own website we had to you know, delist the, those magazines. So we delisted it. They unfroze our accounts. And then we fired them and never taken PayPal again. Wow. So that was how long they hold the money for? Uh, I think it was a couple of weeks. Really? Yeah. Was this well, what year was this back in? This was early on. I say that's why yeah. I was asking that question. This was early this on, way early you on. know, it used to be very behind the scenes, and right. now you can see today is very overt. Right? right. I mean, Shopify uh, really hurt Brimstone gunsmithing. We mm-hmm. did a project with them. They are trigger experts for 1022. They do. They have like 10,000 trigger jobs under their belt. And, right. Um, we're gonna, we did a project with them, Sears, Hammers, and a Trigger. And, uh, uh, right after we launched that product with them, Shopify is like, Oh, we didn't realize you're in the firearms industry. You have to get off our platform right away. I think they gave them like two weeks or a month to get off the platform. Well, right. if you know web sales, um, you know, SEO, if 50% of your customer base is coming from SEO search engine optimization, right. now you have to change and you don't have the SEO anymore. It destroyed David's business. He had, he took a big hit. He had wow. to step off for a while and take on other partners. And I felt bad for him. Yeah. Wow. Let's take a commercial break real yeah. quick. Let's try our sponsor. And we'll get right back into this, what it was like going through to try to raise money for this. This week's podcast is brought to you by Kana Gold. Kana Gold is a premier lifestyle brand for those who work hard and play harder. There are many hemp companies out there that get lost in the crowd, but Kana Gold sets the gold standard with its premier line of products. When traveling all around with a magical mystery tour to different matches, I travel around with lots of different flavors, including pink grapefruit, candy apple, and vanilla cherry. Make sure to stop by and get some for yourself. They are all zero calories, zero sugar, use organic hemp, and are THC and CBD free. Competitive shooters love them because there's no shakes, no headaches, and no crash. When you order from conagoldhemp.com, make sure to use discount code HUNTERSHD for another 20% off. So you're being turned down by banks. 
and you got platforms being, you know, you can't do business on platforms. Other companies are having a problem. Where do you realize, what does this look like with you and Jake going, how are we going to get capital? What does that look like? Well, you know, I'm a bit of a conservative when it comes to money anyways as a saver. Okay. And so we just, just have made a plan where we'll just we'll save our money and we'll take on as little debt as possible. Um, but there came a point where we had to move out of my house. I mean, there was... We tried to stay in there for as long as possible, and um, it was so fine. All this was happening in your in your like in the garage. My entire house, man. I couldn't take a sick day. I mean, my neighbors would go to work at like seven a.m. Ten cars would pull up in my driveway. Ten cars. Yeah. How many employees you start off with? Uh, we didn't start off with ten, but it just started to grow out of control. <laughs> we had we had packers in my dining room table. Right. Were steepling. We had um, Jen taking orders, customer service orders in my kitchen. We had. Danielle and some other people upstairs doing marketing in my office. Downstairs in my basement, we had people packing and shipping. We got the laser running downstairs and Jake and working in my my basically my tool shop downstairs. So did you live in a homeowners association or anything? Were there people like you can't run a business out of your house or anything? Did anybody uh, start to to cry foul? No, nobody did. I mean, we were. Did you communicate with your neighbors what you were doing? No, but uh, I'm just curious. I mean, you're right. If I leave to go to work every day and come back like for lunch, and there's ten cars in the next door every day, I'm going to ask some questions. What's going on? Yeah. So we just we subverted it, and we were just very careful not to you know to make anybody angry. Uh, wow. There was one incident where the trash came, and uh, I guess a piece of uh, a customer piece of data that we for some reason we didn't shred. It was like an invoice and there was a phone number on it. And my neighbor called that phone number asking what's going on. They thought there was like illegal gun dealing going on in my neighborhood. There you go. So went and had a conversation with them. They actually were okay about it after they, again, not educated about the gun market. Yeah. Doesn't really what's going on. Doesn't realize what's going on. The customer actually called up, called us and told us. So we had a conversation and ended up being okay. But at some point we just had to get out of there. So what we did to get around it with the banks is, um, we just formed another company, no history, right? right? Go right. to the bank and they're like, yeah, we'll give you a loan. Wow. What was that company called? Um, so uh, that company is Primary Bank. Okay. Yeah. And they're actually very No, no, not, not the oh, bank. Yeah. What, what other company you created? Was it just... Was oh, that? Imperium Arma. Imperium Arma. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Where'd yeah. That, that's odd. That's uh, out of the blue. Just... This is something you just laughed about with Jake. Like, we'll just call it this. Oh, no, that drives Jake nuts. <laughs> no, Does it really? No, yeah, I'm a big fan of, uh, ever since I was a kid, I was a big fan of this um, tabletop game called Warhammer 40,000. Okay. And uh, a lot of the stuff in there is very tabletop Romanesque. Game, like Dungeons and Dragons? Eh, kind of. Like, like a dice game with little players and stuff that they paint? Figures stuff? that you move against a, a you know, tape measure, and there's a lot of complex rules to it. You You design an army. It's futuristic you oh, got a, you got my attention wait a minute now so you're talking yeah. about you played those games yeah where, you, where the, the characters that you actually could go paint and stuff like that oh, yeah. so because i've seen these places oh yeah and I, I look in there and going i don't know who does that <laughs> but now i know who does that so that's so cool to me so you how long did you do that that was something you did growing up yeah i got an that gave you that, that gave you the idea about the swords when you were doing that back in the day and uh, also the, the, the laser tag so all that me. kind of fueled yeah. There we go. I was wondering yeah. where the destructive mind came from. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. No, okay. So, yeah. So, Jake, hey, Jake hated the name. Yeah. He's not really <laughs> as much into that sort of stuff, but, um, nah, he, uh, he agreed to it. Imperium Armor, it's like the, the walls of the Imperium or the walls of yeah. your. Did you your make your kingdom. wife one of those games? 
No, she okay. was, just another she was not nerdy at all. Actually, that's another thing. I got her into that kind of stuff. She was, we used to play Quake together when we were kids all the time, and she was not very good for a long time, and then she became our best defense. We were quite quite the team. There's, like, teams? Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm so uneducated in what you're talking that, about. That's I, where I, the I say t- stuff through the windows, and I'm like going, it looks, like, really different, so I don't really, I'm scared to walk in. <laughs> so I don't really know. It's back when all this stuff really flourished. I mean, that's where the name Tandem Cross came from. I, really? I ran a college quick team. Okay. And I uh, just took some words and picked them out that sounded good, Tandem Cross. What does it mean? It it's, doesn't mean anything, but okay. a lot of people take it to mean double cross because it's animal cross. It's yeah. just, I thought they were cool words. Yeah. And, you know, if I, I have, Jake and I have talked about this as well as when you start a business, it's not a good idea to be like Bud Sniper Rifles. Okay. Right. You okay. know, you want a name that, in our humble opinion, that can traverse industries and products. So it's like Gap. What does Gap mean? Right. Clothing. Right. Yeah. Well, it means clothing too, right? Yeah. But it, if you take, the context of clothing out of it, it could be any any kind of company, right. and so that's what we wanted to do with Tandem Cross. Like, okay, well, maybe t- maybe we won't always do Rempire parts. Maybe we won't always do gun parts. Maybe we'll sell pizza. I don't know. Right. But the the business can traverse those different industries. Well, the red and green's already Italian, so I can see the pizza. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Well, so that's so cool. So you went from ten cars in the driveway, saving money. You found a great bank to do business with. Yeah. You changed the name on the business. They're, they've been very good to us. And in fact, in, now they're super gun friendly. Um, now, tell me, when when did that aha moment happen for the bank? Um, or how did that look? So is this a local bank just in New Jersey? I mean, I mean um, in New Hampshire. In New Hampshire? Yeah, they're, like, they're a startup. They're funded okay. by a lot of rich people okay. in New Hampshire. And uh, yeah, they they are... They were smart enough to know they get paid interest. That works out great for them. <laughs> How banks uh, get paid. <laughs> uh, there's, a, there's a gun shop in New Hampshire. I think it's the largest gun shop in the Northeast called Shooter's Outpost. They funded right. all their... Um, you know, their new construction and stuff, they added a bunch of their buildings. So they've Wonderful. really ad- ad- adopted the firearms market and um, supporting those New Hampshire beliefs. And, Are they still doing that today? Yeah. So people listen to this, if they're trying to get capital, it'd be one of those banks to reach out to. Primary bank. Yeah. Wow. That's because we need to, we need to promote that bank. We need to promote that because so many banks have, you know, shut their doors. You experienced that yourself. Wow. Well, yeah, it's, it's like, the, a terrible thing is actually happening in our economy, in my opinion, is where we're having mirror economies. You know, it's like, well, now we have to have banks that lean left and banks that lean right. Yes. And f- Facebook and, you know, whatever social media company right. that, that lean left and right. And I think that's I think that's really dangerous for our oh, country. Extremely. I think we're going about it the, the wrong way. I, I think we really just need to... I don't know what the real solution is, but I think that you start to stop share. You stop sharing culture right. at that point, and you become very divisive in your country. And I think that's dangerous. I I hope that we can find a way to be able to share the infrastructure, and right. maybe businesses become agnostic to politics again. Wow. Well, let's go move a little bit forward. So you're in another building. Everything's moving forward. When did you and Jake first talk about going to matches? What year was that? You know offhand. I don't remember. It was I remember our first match. Um, Eric Paulson, Cane Wolf, the guy who invented the Cane Wolf. Okay, who made who did we did make a deal with? Yeah, um, and we sold the product that he came up with. Um, he talked us into going these matches. It was funny because we would get phone calls right. and they would these people would tell us they're competition shooters and they really needed this part because it made their gun better and right. didn't really resonate until we met Eric and he's like, hey. 
Rimfire Worlds is coming up in Arkansas. You guys should really go there. What were you that? Was 16, 15? Maybe. I honestly can't remember. Well, I know it's when I met you, it was it was late 17. So. Yeah, so before that, maybe two or three years before that. Okay. So you were doing matches. You, that was your first match you went to. Yeah. What was that experience like? It was amazing um, and a little scary, to be honest. So. Oh, I remember what happened to me. So continue your story, please. Oh, man. So we... Jake and I flew down there and we didn't bring any product to sell because we're thinking about it. We're like, we don't want to put sales pressure on people. We really just want to go down there and observe and meet people and, you know, spread the word. And maybe we can help out because, you know, goodwill breeds goodwill. I mean, you've experienced that in this industry. Mm -hmm. And so we went down there and with uh, about five minutes of setting up our tent, this guy comes and he's like, hey, I want one of those bushings. Like, oh, we didn't bring any to sell. We didn't want to put sales pressure. And he's like... I waited for you guys to come so I could buy one of those bushings. Wow. So I'm like, all right, all right. So we called Jen. She overnighted a bunch of product and um, we sold a lot. But we, we, Arkansas, Fort Smith, Arkansas. Yeah, I know, know it well. You know them. Yeah. Great people. I mean, they yes. just welcomed us with open arms. They were so happy to have us there. And there was two vendors. Mm-hmm. There, was, there was Winchester. Okay. And there was us. Wow. And that was it. Right. Winchester's the big boys. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But they didn't really have a very big presence. Right. Um, there, which I was a little surprised. And um, yeah, so you know, we walked the match. They they talked us into shooting it. So right. uh Jake actually ended up shooting it. And um we had a great time and they let us borrow a gun and we got to start to experience this the speed shooting. And we learned so much about the different type of guns that people are shooting, mm-hmm. who the other players were in the industry. We got tons of product um, suggestions. We walked away with several uh, products from that. Um, and after we, on the plane ride back, actually, we're like, we need bumpers for magazines, something we see, see a lot. And we said, we, you know, we need to be doing more this the shooting market. There's something here. Wow. Wow. So you brainstormed a lot on the airplane ride back home, I'm yeah. sure. Wow. And that's, did you look for another match right after that? We did. Yeah, we just started. I don't think we've said no to a Rimfire Challenge match since that day in right. terms of support. We've always supported them. We branched out to Steel Challenge. Metal Madness. Mm-hmm. These guys are doing amazing. Ed White is doing an amazing job. Sport came out of nowhere. It's, it's, it's really good. Um, SASP, we learned about them. It took a few years for us to get on board with those guys. Right. It didn't, there was some, like they didn't allow compensators. Right. Uh, at first, so Rick would come to our our booth every year, and he'd be like, "Hey, you want to sponsor?" I'm like, "I don't allow compensators." So, so that we'll the, do a little bit. But was that one of the first big parts you did was compensators? That or? was our first part that really took off. Really? Yeah. I mean, it really took. Off. Now we're the number one comps for aluminum and steel. I mean, you see our comps yep. everywhere. Yeah, they're on my custom guns in the back of the van. Yeah. Uh, we used to carry another company's comp and they would send us like maybe 10 a month. Right. And we call them up like, Hey, we can sell a lot more of this. And they never supplied them. So Jake and I were like, oh, let's make our own. Right. And it turned out good. But, um, yeah, so SASP didn't allow comps at first. So he came back the next year. He's like, Hey, Brian, guess what? I got comps pushed through. Will you sponsor us now? Wow. Uh, yeah. So scholastic action shooting, shooting sports. The shooting sports. Yeah. Those guys, I mean, that is the best way to get, you know, responsible firearm lessons and ownership back into the schools. They are doing crazy good things. So we support them in a big way every year now. That's cool. Yeah, and he was willing to go to bat for us. So we'll go bat for him. Right. Well, I, I remember when I first met you and it was 2017 at the world Rimfire championship in North Alabama at Cavern Cove. 
and I'm walking around and I, you know, <laughs> still, still target paint. You know, this is back, you know, six months prior to that, you know, Larry came to me and yeah. said, I need a, um, a logo and a name. We're fixing to put you on the Jersey. And I'm like, what are you talking about in, in cowboy? Cause that's what I was doing back then with Larry. He's like, no, no, no. I found this thing called steel challenge. And there's some other rimfire thing going on. I'm like going, I didn't know what was going on. And I came out there and I remember, um, I was going to meet a lot of shooters for the first time. And I remember I carried um, a yellow towel with me and some Z clear because <laughs> it was, everybody was steaming yeah. in North Alabama. I mean, steaming, everybody was fogging up like crazy. And all I started doing was just putting this, this Z clear at the time on people's lenses and cleaning Hunter's HD gold lenses as I walked around. <laughs> That's how, and I met you and it was really neat because we talked for a little bit and um, Michael Bain was there back in the day. And I, I remember talking to you and I said, so you travel all around the matches and stuff like that. You're like, yeah. I said, what, give me what, what matches should I go to? I was like, asking for help. Cause yeah, you I picked think, my brain. I, I'm thinking about doing this in, in 2018 and I picked, we, you know, we, we, we talked for a while yeah. cause you were, you were intrigued because I was coming out with a $375 MSRP safety lens. Like you, you gave me the I'm same, like, you, you gave me the same look as everybody else. Yeah. Brian has lost his mind. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is not going to work, but it was one of those things that, you know, I was determined just like you were, cause there's a lot of great frame companies out there, but nobody was doing lenses. So, you know, and you told me where to go. You gave me like six or seven matches to go to. And I asked Michael Bain the same thing, talking to him. And he started wearing them back in 17 as well after that. And I got started because of what y'all were doing. I saw your business plan and I said, hmm, I'm, I'm going to do that. And that, so I, that, that's why we, we've had you at dinner before. And I've actually said, you're, the, you're the, even the reason I'm sitting here today. A lot of people don't know that because I didn't know how to get this product to the people. And you said the shooting sports is a whole nother way to do that. So thank you. For, um, thank, thank you for that conversation. Cause you were very kind. Now, you know, you walked up and you're, there was something special about you. You're so charismatic and so enthusiastic. There was something going on. And I, I just believe in being good to other people. And I remember how hard of a start it was to get going and all the ways that you're blocked in marketing and, you know, this industry, if you want to get started, it's like grassroots and it's, it's kind of hard to see. And, um, I'm glad to share. I've shared, I've shared with other businesses too. And sometimes it's bit me. It's created competitors yes. in some ways. Um, but that's okay because competitors make you stronger. Yeah. In other ways, it's helped me. It's created great relationships. You've done amazing. I mean, you really took our model and brought it to the next. I'm sitting in your Mercedes van right now, right? Yeah. Drinking your cone of gold that you're marketing for them. You built an amazing partnership. Like, really impressed. So. Well, I appreciate it. It's, a, it's been a lot of fun, but it's one of those things that you do a service when you go to matches. Yeah, that's right. You go and you set up and you fix people's guns all day long. You know, I stole your idea again. It's a service. <laughs> yeah. if you can create a service. Then it's like, yes, I want to do this, 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 and this. I want to fix their guns. All of a sudden, they give you money to buy parts right there on the spot. Yeah. It's a service. They don't realize they're spending money. They, no. they want and, the service. And I, I got to correct you a little bit there. Like, I don't install those parts. That is definitely well, yes. not my core competency. I get <laughs> no, you don't. Jake did it for many years. <laughs> You're it right. is hard work. <laughs> yes. Joe Vickers is over there in the booth doing it right now yes, with a smile on his face. We yeah. had Brian Lawson do it for a while. And it's, it is hard. It's hard having doing in the field under pressure All the elements right yeah you, you could lose parts and people are watching you like hurry up i gotta go shoot and um they do an amazing job i'm thankful to have those 
those guys who are willing to to put themselves on the line like that. That's so cool. Yeah, because you know you're doing this. You got people here today working. You got you know they, they just changed the game because it's a service. So we kind of I took the same model. Like you know glasses are glasses. So what can we do to help people out? And I started you know traveling around with all the stuff I do today to create a service because we're not we're not at the same matches all the time now because i got introduced to other shooting disciplines and you stick you know you stuck real strong with what you're doing in the rimfire world does you know you did something very brilliant what's that that um i think has worked very well for you you've got an array of glasses up there people come up they're interested because they're they're not they're they're this orange color like oh, all right was that does that really mean something does it really work you did it to me at the first match you're like yes here just try these on Right. So people come up, you're like, here, just try them on for this. See if you like them. And it sells them. Well, I remember the mentality you had when you was in Arkansas and you don't want to pressure anybody. Yeah. Same thing. Yeah. I've been in sales for 20 plus years. Done with that. I yeah. want to give people an experience. You go try it. When you have questions, I'll be there to answer them. Same as you doing. It's the same mentality. I don't want to go to a match and be a burden. I don't want people to have to be pressured to do anything. Well, if your products, map to your customer's requirements it sells itself right. you don't have to if you're pressuring somebody it's it's not the right thing returns yeah exactly so and that's what's really cool you're like just try them out and it does i mean obviously people would not be buying your glasses if they didn't work well at these types of events mm -hmm. do you just had to give them the opportunity to realize it well let me tell you something else about you that inspired me and i remember the first time we was at a match and we got to the end of the match and we were asked to go up there and talk and <laughs> something talk, talk in front of the people. We'll do it here again later today. And you gave a presentation about the second amendment. Yeah. And it just blew my mind because it was like going, it, wow. You know, what gave you the idea that, you know, to have everybody at attention listening to you and then go into that situation of being able to educate and really put a powerful moment together for people to hear. Do you remember what inspired you to do that? Yeah. Two things. Um, one, my sons. Okay. Right. So I'm just looking at where things are going and, um, I think about their future all the time and the world they're inheriting and mm -hmm. whether or not I'm doing enough to contribute to keeping them free men. Okay. Um, and I was really pissed off. <laughs> you, you, yes. Yeah. I was yes. just, I was experiencing all this, you know, prejudice and discrimination just because I was in the firearms industry and my parts are legal in all 50 states. Yet there's this subversion that's going on underground, this legislation for corporatism. And it didn't feel like, I feel like that, that those words need to be heard. And just like we built our brands grassroots, a movement like that where people are aware of their rights being eroded must also be started with grassroots. So I was just, I was feeling inspired by that anger and honestly having kids. Wow. Well, I got to give one of my first speeches at an event like that <laughs> not too long ago at Gal's Day and it caught everybody off guard as well. So it's one of those things I took from you again. Just be aware. I'm, a, I'm a, I like looking at best practices and why we create the wheel when somebody else is Good. already doing a great job. No, so we, we all need to be doing it. It inspired me a lot. And, and we're, we're building an, an army of aware people about right. what's going on in this country. So well, let's talk you. about something else real quick because we mm. are the, the, the 3D printer came out of nowhere. And it has gone nuts. Yeah, people are making accessories and charging base pads and everything five for sure. ten dollars and everything. It's just <laughs> changed the entire game. Yeah, of the parts industry. Did you and Jake go? This is not good. What did that look like? 
because commerce, you've, competition is totally different now with people yeah. making accessories. You used to be the only game in town, you know, that, you know, people know, but now oh, yeah, we got all kinds of you know, people are making compensators, everything else. What is that like? Do, do you, you know, what is that? What is that? What does that conversation look up to you and Jake? Uh, a couple different aspects. So from 3d printers in general, not afraid. I mean, if we need to buy 3d printers, we can, mm-hmm. um, it's still not, it's still a very slow process and the quality is still not there. It's getting better. Um, uh, and you know, that's one of the reasons we were focused on building a brand in the beginning because people trust brands. And as long as you do the right things by your customers, they'll keep coming at, back and buying from you. Um, so there's more to than just a good price. There's a, uh, people that stand behind the product and deliver quality customer service. Right. Um, in terms of having competitors, uh, you know, we talked about it a little bit earlier and like, I'm, I welcome it. Um, and it, it's inspiring because if you don't have something to push against, you become lazy and things agree. get easy. And, you know, when the rainy days come, you're not prepared. Right. So I, it inspires me every time we get a new competitor. We have some in-depth competitive analysis that we do internally. Right. And, uh, you know, I'm a, I love, I love Sun Tzu. I love the art of war. I love those types of things. I love strategy. Mm-hmm. And so we talk a lot about that behind the scenes and how can we make ourselves sharper? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's good stuff. Good. And and at the end of the day, you know who wins? The customers. Right. right? So if there's choice A and B, the other companies, chances are they're going to push harder too. Right. Right. So the customer is going to get better quality, better products, more innovation. So let's do it. And, and how many employees do you have now? We've got right now currently 19 employees. 19. Yeah. Wow. You're probably in the same situation as me. You'll never be over 25 based on the... Um, healthcare that was done where you have to get more than 25 employees. It changes the entire game, what you can do with insurance. I'm in the same boat. So, yeah. And I think you can keep, uh, you know, we lead, we run a lean ship, mm-hmm. you know, skeleton crew and our people work hard. Uh, they have very well-defined roles. Right. Um, and I think, I think that's good. You know, we're very conservative about it and we, we treat them. I'd like to think we treat them good. They stick right. around. Right. Um, and they are, they, you know, they, they are very inspired. So hopefully we can keep that going. Well, you've created a lot of great parts. You know, I remember when the hammer, uh, what was it called? The hammer, the, the, on um, the, the, um, Oh, the thunder hammer. Yes. Thunder hammer. Yeah. The thunder hammer came out for the, um, Smith and Wesson, you know, you've done all these different parts and everything. And, and all of a sudden you came out with the Kraken, you know, why the name to begin with? <laughs> was that just something from, are you still back in the board game world or where, where are you at with this? When you come up with names like that? Yeah. Kraken was a little bit of a gamble that okay. back at that time, there was, um, there was some stuff in the media that they were talking about the Kraken. So we're like, you know, maybe we'll piggyback off of that, that okay. nomenclature okay. and go with that. And we do have funny names for all our products. All right. So, you know, you don't want people searching for a firing pin. You want them searching for the fire starter. Mm-hmm. Right. So then your firing pin shows up. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the Kraken's kind of the same way. Plus people, they don't always know the technical terms of certain parts. Firing pins easy, but there's others. You know, some people don't know the difference between a striker and a firing pin, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so if you give it a common name and something that's memorable, that's what they'll talk about. We learned that back when Jake and I worked at a previous company before that open text and it's called eCopy. And they would always call their customers like, yeah, we want people to say, send me an e-copy uh, because just like Xerox, like make me a Xerox. Right. right? So uh, then that's actually worked for us too. You know, we get that tandemize thing. Right. That was by accident and people just. how that happen then by accident? Tandemize. Because yeah. do people use that a lot? What'd that look like? They, they do. It, there was a friend of mine who I went to college with and we had him do some social media marketing for us for a while. And he, mm-hmm. he came up with the term 
thanks, Steve Morenzi. And uh, it he he talked about tandemizing your guns, mm-hmm. and it just we didn't. It just took off. Like all of a sudden, everybody's calling it this. Wow. So let me take me back to a quick story because I've asked another person this. I'll tell you in a second. But when you're, I'm assuming you're probably at a match. Okay. <laughs> and there's a gentleman that walks up to you out of the blue and shows you a TK tattoo. <laughs> <laughs> what did you think when you first saw that? Uh, I know who you're talking about. Know, well, well, yeah, well, 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 Mike Baker's what we're uh, talking about. Mike Baker. But what did you first think when that happened? Uh, this is a big responsibility. I better not mess this up because this guy put this permanently on his skin. And exactly. he believes in what we're doing so much mm-hmm. that he's going to do that. So my first reaction is I'm not going to let this guy down. Wow. Would you would you call everybody around and say, check this out? Was it, you know, just like, because I, I can't imagine. It's just too much because you're right. It's a big responsibility. But, you know, he's he's called the TK Superfan. Yeah. Did you give him that name? No. That no, name? he wanted that. You know, he was just a, a customer um, and he was always posting on Facebook and sending us nice emails and, mm-hmm. and stuff. And we were going to a match in, I want to say it was Georgia. Okay. Uh, we've been to that match together. No, maybe it's Alabama. Right. And um, so I sent him an email. I'm like, hey, we're going to be down there. You should come check it out and see the match and meet some of the competitors. And he came down and I just I introduced him to all our team shooters and some of the other celebrities there. And there was a fancy rifle that was tandemized at that point. It had like a nice TK stock. We took right. some pictures with it. And I could just see his fight. His face was lit up. And there's so much enthusiasm. He was yeah. so happy. And, um, you know, sent him home. And after that, that's when he came back with the, t- with the tattoo. <laughs> and that's when it struck me. And ever since then, Mike and Elsie have been super close and they have added to our company culture and our team culture in ways that, you know, you, you know, it's like you, you get this momentum, you start things. Yes. And then people start to take that and they grow it and it, it becomes its own thing. And they have created this really incredible atmosphere mm-hmm. around our team. I'm so thankful. Oh, they're amazing, people. Them. amazing people. <coughs> Excuse me, because the person I'd asked that question to before was Steve Foster. Yeah, because they did. So he did something on his on his leg for Steve Foster <laughs> well back in episode one, uh, season one. Excuse me, when we talked about that, it blew, blows people's mind because he he talked to me about something. No, 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 no. I don't worry about hunters. H2. No, 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 no. no. <laughs> I don't hold that kind of responsibility. So it was crazy because people, you know, some people like doing art to their body like that. But you're right. That means you're in for a while because. He's in. He's in. <laughs> so you're going, you made the Kraken, but now you're looking at actually, you know, taking it even a step further. You're working with Titman on some things. You, yep. you got, you got some Titman rifles that are tandemized, but you've actually talked about now with Jake about actually creating an entire farm. Is that something that's, that's still in the plans? We're still working on it. You know, um, I view things, a few progress in life and within business, kind of like a staircase. Mm-hmm. Right. And you can't take too big of a step. Correct. Right. You, you there's a good chance you're not going to make it or you're going to fall on that step. Um, and so the plan in our mind is like, okay, well, let's, let's make each part of a firearm and really understand what it takes to make a quality part okay. from beginning to end. And, you know, there are times where we release a product like, oh, we could have done better than that. Let's refine that and get better. And you learn, you learn a lot about those things. Tell me about a part you had to redo. Uh, let's see. Um, has there been a lot? No. Okay. Um, I mean, 
the Kraken per se. You know, we're we're learning about um, learning about right link screws and those types of things, or uh, the blast shield. When we released that, there were some adjustments in terms of fitment. Like, okay. not every manufacturer always goes to the same tolerances, and you don't always under you don't always know what their tolerances are. Right. Sometimes they'll share, and sometimes they won't. Um, so you have to adjust things. Extractors. You know, there's always some fine tuning there. And there's also a moving target too, because the manufacturers will make adjustments and they don't always tell you as well. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, we got to adjust our tolerances. So you have to keep a constant eye on the market. Um, Are you walking a fine line with the relationships that you've built with manufacturers when you start creating your own gun? That's a good question. Um, I don't think so because the manufacturers that we work with, um, their volume is so huge. They are very huge, but yeah. they've also had, you know, history of other companies where they've done some things where they didn't, they weren't happy. So I didn't know if there's a certain point where you're, are you having conversations with the manufacturers about what you're wanting to do? Are they, or are they, cause I mean, for an example, let me just back up, give you an example. I'm in the lens business. I make sure. lenses that stuff is out there. You can go get from your doctor. It's stuff's available only through your doctor some stuff that we do. Yeah. So there's other lens manufacturers. I've actually had conversations with lens manufacturers on what I'm doing. And they're like, oh, that's cool. But company number two may be like, we don't think that's cool at all, but yeah. we just don't use them. So it's not a big deal. But same thing, with, you're, you're dealing with manufacturers you're making parts for. Yeah. So if you're in a situation where this manufacturer, if you start taking market share away, is that a fine line that, you know, that's something that could hurt that relationship? Well, I think there's a couple of things you have to be aware of. Okay. There's a couple of things you have to be aware of. I think... Um, you they have if they have intellectual property right if they have patents yeah they have trade dress you know you have to be sensitive to those things for sure then you're walking a fine line if you infringe upon those Mm -hmm. um if you are not interfering with that i i can't uh, i think you are okay you could try you there's a chance you could tarnish the relationship but we're very careful to make sure that we're always adding value back to the manufacturers that we support good um and we do try to let them know what we're up to and test the water. Some of them are like, we don't want to know anything you're doing. Right. Just do it. And we'll let you know if it's good or bad after you do it. Okay. And some are like, yeah, don't do that. Oh, okay. So you've actually had conversations where you've had to kind of step back a little bit. And some of them are like, yeah, go ahead and do that. That's great. That, that will only, that will only help us. So you're actually building relationships even stronger because of what you're doing. Yeah. And so far, great you know, knock on wood, yep. Yep. it's, it's, it's gone that way, but we are careful about it. You know, we don't, we have we have we look up to the brands that mm-hmm. we make parts for, um, even to some of our competitors. We we look up to them greatly. Right. Um, I'm, I'm proud to be able to compete against them. Right. Um, and um, but we want to be we we want to make sure that we're adding value back to the platform as well. But we do we, we we're not going to stop doing things. Right. Right. But one thing that we we'll always do is we'll do different things. We're going to add value and not just one. A part of our company culture is don't copy, innovate. Right. Very cool. Very cool. Well, we've talked about a lot today. That, yeah. I really appreciate you sharing the history of things, how it got started. Did we leave off anything you'd like to discuss? Anything? No. In your I, moment? You did a great job. Leading <laughs> me around with questions. No, I mean, there's, there's, we could talk forever. I mean, there's so many different topics we could have. Um, so. so maybe we can do it again another time. But this was great. I'm glad to share great questions. And uh, 
Yeah, it was, it was a nice conversation. Thanks, Brian. Well, you're very welcome. And like I said, you ought to check out the Kraken and what they're doing because the designs, everything they're doing is really great. I've actually got one of the Kraken is actually in the back of the van right now with one of the um, the Ruger Mark IVs, and it's pretty cool to check out. It takes a lot of weight off the gun, helps it balance a lot better. So I saw a lot of advantages right there on the spot. So, Brian, how can people get in touch with you? Yeah, you can come to www.tandemcross.com, and that's... Uh, Cross with a K, K R O S S, and uh, come check out our website. Um, you can give us a call on our phone number, 603 369 7060. If you got questions, and you know, a lot of times we answer questions about other manufacturers' platforms, we answer questions about competitions, and sometimes people just call and order parts. We're glad to help. You know, if you do good, you get good. That's awesome. We're, at, we're getting ready to go shoot again. Yeah. So we're going to cut this short. Let's do yeah. it. Thank you so much for listening or watching this episode of Hunter's HD Go Behind the Lens. And until next time, we'll see you at the range soon. Bye, guys. Thanks, Brian. Yeah.